Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, January 6th. On today's show, we're making up for some lost time here at Crack Rackets. Now, if you listen to this mini break consistently, you know normally on our Tuesday episodes, we run one of our favorite series called Tennis Point Tuesdays, where we break down the latest and greatest at Tennis Point, talk about some of the things happening in the tennis world as well. Unfortunately, it was a travel day for me, just weren't able to record this Tuesday. Nevertheless, we don't want to leave you listeners hanging, so of course, we've got Tennis Point Tuesday. Day on a Thursday for all of you listeners today. We're just going to be breaking down some action happening across the tennis world because, of course, the ATP Tour has resumed play. We've got ATP Cup, two events happening in Adelaide and Melbourne. Of course, on the women's side, we've got Adelaide, we've got Melbourne 1, we've got Melbourne 2. In summary, plenty for us to discuss. And joining us, as he always does on our Tennis Point Tuesday segments, is our friend, from Tennis Point, rocking the bucket hat today. That's how you know he's ready for a good time. <laughs> it's our friend, Nate Walrath. Nate, hey, great shot. Happy New Year, my friend. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Good, man. You look good with this new year. You look a little clean shaven. Look like you got a little trimmers. I know you had the, uh, the Manscaped uh, sponsorship, but it looks like you put it to good use. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. You know, I was down in Florida with my family. I got to work out 12 days in a row. Not saying I'm not normally hitting the cardio here at Cracked Rackets HQ, but I got to lift weights. I do look good. Let me just tell the listeners right now, you, I look you damn do, good. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, you look You're good a- as well, my friend. You were letting it go a little bit at the end. I was worried about you looking like a caveman, but now you're back with it. and you, Now it looks like you could be on a uh, little Giorgio Armani cover here. Well, you know, the resistance to Orange, Giorgio Armani. That's Alex <laughs> Gruskin for you in a nutshell. Um, Yeah, I 
well, the truth is I was the off-season beard, and we're no longer in the off-season. I had to shave. I had to shape up. It's time for tennis to resume, so I got to look the part as well, of course. Did a TV hit yesterday. That was pretty cool. Also, I hilarious. saw that. How was that? How was that? Good? Uh, do we want to do the mechanics behind it quickly? Yeah, this is the sort of fun we have here on Tennis Point uh, Tuesday on a Thursday. It was very fun. It was hilarious because I say this lovingly. They use Skype. And Skype is the technology of pre-Zoom. Like, just respectively, nowadays, Zoom is what most people use. And so everything's, like, we're recording right now. It's a different background for me than normal. It's because the green screen didn't work on Skype. And so we had to flip it a little bit so that it would be at least not a green screen in the background. Um, Yeah, that said, it was very fun. I get a message from them on Skype. They're like, you ready? I was like, yeah, sure, let's do this thing. And you're sitting there, the segments before me, The Decline of American Democracy with Ian Bremmer, a reporter live on the ground from Kazakhstan, and then Alex Gruskin on Novak Djokovic. I was like, I I almost wanted to ask at the end, if it wasn't my first appearance on the show, I would have said, do I get a question on American democracy? Like, you're not even going to throw me one? Um, But I didn't, and it was a blast. (laughs) I guess there was some big news these past couple of days. Yeah, it was also recorded before Djokovic gets denied entry into Australia formally. Now, that's the way the tide was headed. but And we covered that, of course, on a double mini-break session yesterday with Tennis Channel editorial producer David Kane, who joined us to break down the entire situation. A longer pod beforehand broke us when the breaking news occurred afterwards. You can also watch that on our YouTube channel. Yeah, it's been busy times, Nate Dog. What's your take on it all? Oh, man. I don't even... I mean, at first I was like, he's not going to play. And I was like, oh, he's going to play. And I was like, oh, he's not going to play. But then it's like, I mean, it's it's just the weirdest thing. I I don't know how, yeah, it's like I have non-tennis friends texting me for the first time in a long time about tennis, asking me, like, what the hell is going on? And it's just like, this is broken uh, outside of tennis's realm. And it's national, it's worldwide news now. And I don't know. I, I honestly, I know people are feeling very strongly one way or the other and um, to be selfish, I would just like to see the world's best player in the world play tennis at the Australian Open where he's had a bunch of success. That's my take. I'm all about watching the best at their at, – uh, quite frankly, where he's been dominant um, for his whole career. So, I mean, I, I, that would be a massive bummer if we don't get to see him, and it sounds like we're not going to get to, to see him in action. So that kind of changes our predictions, I guess, from, from last week's episode. Yeah, I know. It's totally out the window now, and – I mean, look, it's in the appeals process. I think delayed till Monday. We'll get the formal answer then. It's certainly a bummer from a tennis perspective. I said this on the clip. I'll say it again. Obviously, I don't think a tennis tournament should ever compromise public health. And for Australia to deny Natalia Vikalyanseva, who received the Sputnik vaccine, which isn't an approved vaccine, if you're not going to let her in, you have to be consistent and not let Djokovic in. And that's where the outrage came from. And again, the restrictions the Australian people have lived under. That said, from a tennis perspective, he's still pursuing 21. You're right. And he would have entered as the favorite because he's earned that distinction. Now it's like, will we ever see him play in Australia again? A place where he has had so much success, the most success throughout the course of his career. And again, this isn't the end of the cycle. Other countries have restrictions too. Is this going to be a continuing story? These are all now things we have to think about, and it distracts from the tennis itself, right? Which, in my opinion, is better than it's ever been. Yep. And I guess, like, I don't understand how he got an exemption, but then he wasn't allowed in the country. I just don't know where that exemption came from. From what I understood, I'm 
not saying this is uh, this is probably some misinformation, but maybe it was an anonymous exemption. They didn't know who it was, and then once it was found out that it was Novak Djokovic, um, all hell broke loose. So it's it's just been a wild story that's been in this, the news cycle for 24 hours or more now. Sounds like he's in a closet. They've taken his phone away or something. His, I know his father's upset. It just sounds like a uh, some type of storm over there down under. But my other question is like, well, just Melbourne... to finish that, it's been a PR disaster. That's the biggest yeah, takeaway, that these sorts of misinformation things and just storylines even exist. It's a testament to just the hysteria surrounding it. I mean, I'll say this. It's the typical immigration situation where if you're not – they're not certain about your visa, they keep you at a hotel, and you can use the word detain if you'd like. I am sure he has some freedom within the room to operate. I am sure, you know, again – it's not as though he's in a prison cell. Let's just be clear there. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's, yeah, it's extreme though. It's I mean, this is again. You know what the simplest solution is? Listen to the doctors. Listen to the science. Get vaccinated. That solves all of this problem. All of these problems moving forward. We we, we have a Netflix documentary coming. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> this um, is episode but, one of T one, the tennis story. My next question though, couldn't we like? Melbourne, can we please not name a tournament Melbourne one and Melbourne two? Can we can we get a little bit of distinct like I need some type of distinct like distinguishing factor like in your title? I don't know how I'm supposed to follow tournaments. But should they put an accent and- over the O, Melbourne? Like some get <laughs> anything? It's just like I'm going to tennis one. I'm like, oh, I get this. This is Mel- oh, it's Melbourne one's draw. Oh, this is it's just like this is Melbourne's two draw. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm getting lost in all of this action on top of this news cycle. My head's already spinning, and the year just started. It's a great tennis one plug. I love it. Part two, that's hilarious. You're not wrong. It's literally like, this is Melbourne one. This is Melbourne two. They're both in Melbourne. Um, yeah, and there's the Melbourne men as well. Like, there are three Melbournes this week. Two Adelaides, by the way, as well. Um, yeah, whatever. You know what? It's like Facebook. It's just cleaner that way. Drop the the. Um, no, it's uh, – it, I mean, the point is, so yes, Djokovic is still the story. If listeners are looking for more information on that, you can tune into yesterday's mini break podcast episodes. Of course, a shout out as always to you, Nate, and our friends at Tennis Point for your constant support of these shows. Go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls Tennis-Point symbol. Not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, Nate Dog, let's talk some tennis. Let's talk first about the ATP Cup because we've talked about this on the podcast when discussing this event already. The fact that players receive points for this, that's a separate different, uh, separate discussion. The fact that players, you know, again, in what is, you don't get into this event if you're the number two singles player on a team based on your ranking. It's based off of the ranking of the top player on your team. Therefore, it's a, it's not an open draw. It's not your typical draw. And should be players be rewarded for points at this event? Probably not. That said, I know you feel like I do. This event is still awesome. Like, and again, separate discussion to this separate discussion. Would Hopman Cup be better? I think yes. I think many think yes. Am I devastated they took Hopman Cup away? Absolutely. I think you can balance all three of those things in your head of ATP Cup shouldn't have points for the results. Hopman Cup would be a better alternative than ATP Cup. And yet still thoroughly enjoy this ATP Cup to start the season. Where are you at, Nate Dog? Oh, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I was up till 2 or 3 a.m. last night watching the action. I saw you were tweeting it too. So, I mean, obviously it's got, all, it's got us captivated. 
Well, I, I think watch. also, Nate Dog, we're finally at the age where we have to get up to pee every morning. And so, like, once it, <laughs> and it's just like, then you turn on Tennis Channel and you're up. I, I fell asleep last night at, like, 10, 30, 11 on the couch. <laughs> and I woke up and I was like, I'm going to go back to bed. And then I was like, uh, no, there's too much good action. I'm just going to stay awake for another few hours. But it was well worth it. I mean, I mean, that was just awesome tennis last night. Medvedev is putting on a show. What he did in singles was, I mean, these last couple of matches. On, on top of that, his doubles play with a guy I've, quite frankly, never even heard of until this past week has been nothing short of just spectacular. He hit an around-the-net post shot last night uh, against Sinner and Berrettini that was unbelievable. Just a slap shot around the post that caught both of those guys off guard. And he was, I mean, he's just lifted this team Russia to a, a level that I didn't think was possible without their main guys. So you're talking about Roman Civilian, of course, who OGs will know back in the 2009, 10, 11 Colette Lewis days, he was actually the most successful of the Russian juniors. Now, Rublev eventually became super successful as well, but he was more highly touted than Medvedev, than Hatchinov at that point of their careers. Now, of course, he had a ton of injuries throughout the course of his career, but it's been, I even thought, you know, he gets a win on day one, a big win for them. I forget whom they were playing in that first match, but gets a big win for them on day one. Uh, who were they playing? It's going to bother me. France. That's who he beats. He beats France. He beats Rindernesh in three sets. And, you know, you look for him in the second match against Australia. He gets a win over Duckworth. Now, he loses to Sinner six and three. He, he, he gave Sinner problems, though. He looked good. He's not the biggest guy, but no. I don't think he lacks in power. And I do think physically now you saw his movement. I thought he was good in the outer thirds. I thought he served pretty well. Second serve hangs a little bit, but so does everyone else's. I think he's Sinner, got top. This slow surface, the slow surface has been a big story already, though in Australia. I mean, Sinner could not put a ball away, and which that's is one of the big, like remarkable because it's Yannick and Sinner. Yeah, and he's one of the biggest hitters. I mean, on both wings, and he could not finish a point yesterday, and that was just like, wow, these courts are unbelievably slow. Um, that's why you see. I mean, it was good to see Alex Dimonar for our Team Australia get healthy. He says the healthiest he's been in a long time, and he looks like he's playing back. Um, to his style and kind of it's he does so well in his home his homeland and i think the slow surface benefits a guy that has an endless gas tank and has wheels as good as anybody on the tour so good to see him get his legs back underneath him and find his confidence as he's played unbelievable tennis as well so you talk about the court speed and you're right it has become a story when you look for and i want to talk about some of these guys daniel medvedev mm -hmm. will start with because obviously with no novak djokovic he is the favorite entering the mm -hmm. australian open now you could argue he's one a zero f's one b you could argue he's one zero f's two we've had that discussion plenty of times so we don't have to have it again today but when you look for daniel medvedev he's looked out of breath in two out of his three matches and i know these courts are particularly slow i actually think that's made it that much more enjoyable though boy do some of these players look like they're moving out of cement in the corners and it's i've never related mm -hmm. to them more than i do right now where it's like oh see a month off does matter um but mm -hmm. for med you know for medvedev he gets the straight set win over uh, over uh demon hour first match umber's slap city and umber just again was umber went umber went on i mean he was on another level that match though yeah, I mean, that was just a clean performance from him. Well, that's, and he's just got such good hands too. No, it, it's true. But then you know, again, you look for Medvedev. He gets the three-set win yesterday over Matteo Berrettini. You look for Medvedev. He's able to win. You know, eighty percent of his first serve points, sixty-nine percent of his second serve points. Isn't broken throughout the match. Three of eleven on break point chances. Statistically, it was a pretty good match for him. 
against Matteo mm-hmm. Berrettini. And, you know, again, 32 winners against 13 unforced errors. He cut down on his mistakes. That said, he still doesn't look quite as good as he did at the end of last season, no, in my opinion. No, I still feel like there's another gear for him to get to. No, for sure. I think he's still lacking. Like, there's another 10, 10 to 12%. You could tell he's got to yeah. tap into it to get to that uh, championship-type level. But I just love to see him compete. He he loves playing for Team Russia. He's got a lot of camaraderie with these guys, and they love um, just competing as, as a unit. And those guys are uh, – they're just so fun to watch, as well as Great Britain. Just, I love the ATP Cup. Give me all of the ATP Cup team events. Watching these guys look to their corner after big points is just, it just gives it another, it's a different feel. It's a different energy. I mean, Dan Evans has been on a spectacular uh, run here this in, in, in Australia early. So, uh, but no, like you said, Medvedev is, he does, something does look a little bit off. He's just, he just fights though. He's just fighting through these matches and, and just every point he's battling and his celebrations are just, world-class man well, to the, me, the, the googly arms is unbelievable to me that's the big thing it's like guess what the best find a way to win even when they're not playing their best and medvedev mm-hmm. has not played his best despite what some of the numbers may say from a serving standpoint i thought he played best against berrettini as he's played thus far but mm-hmm. you're right it does feel like he still is finding his 2022 footing and obviously mm-hmm. he'll be a top seed if not the number two seed and it just depending on if we do see Djokovic in the end or not and you know he'll have some time probably to work his way into form in the first couple weeks of the Grand Slam still another week to come he'll probably play another event in the build-up to the Australian Open but yeah it it is interesting again that's one of the storylines thus far and again I will talk about the teams at the end but let's just kind of go through some of the players thus far you look at a guy who I think we didn't talk well you can only talk. There's only so much time in the off season, but you know, the I don't know what much more there is to say about Matteo Berrettini. Obviously, you know, 2019, 2021, he's backed up. He is a top ten guy. He has those sorts of weapons: his serve, his plus one forehand, his willingness to move forward to the net, the strength and physicality he plays with. It's just going to you know, it's too much for a 80 percent of the top 100 now. You know, again, we saw him make the Wimbledon final last year. That does feel like a surface that will be generous to him throughout the course of his career. That said, you look at him from a singles perspective to start the year. Lost to Demon Hour, loses to Medvedev, able to knock off Ugo and Bear in a style of, again, big hitting. He's just going to be better at big hitting than you are. I'm a little worried we're pretty close to the Berrettini ceiling. Like, yes, the backhand has gotten better. I don't know if it's ever going to be the most fluid thing in the world. It's still just such an instinct for him to chip in the outer thirds. Have we hit the Berrettini ceiling? I think that's something to watch yeah, for yeah. this year. I, I think we have. I just don't think he has the confidence in the fluidity in his backhand swing. I mean, I've yet to see him kind of take three three tugs at the backhand wing and come over the top on three consecutive good good balls on that wing. I mean, I've watched that. Like, I've had this weird obsession since he was in Cincinnati a couple years ago. Like, I just want to see him roll the ball off that wing three or four times in a row, but he just doesn't have that in his game. He he'll 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 take a take a yank at one of them that sits up higher, but he's just not comfortable um, on that wing as as these other top ten guys are. But I mean, the serve plus one is just so elite that he's able to kind of overcome across surfaces, hard courts, Mm -hmm. clay courts, grass courts. That's the thing, and he moves pretty well given his size. Again, for someone that strong, that bulky. There's a fluidity still to Berrettini. Now, again, it's a little more rigid on the backhand wing, but Uh he's very fluid with that on-the-run forehand, can hit it defensively, and, again, is a good volleyer, a willing volleyer. Let's be clear. 
I think his floor is top 15 player. But I am starting, again, if you're buying stock on all these young guys this year, and certainly yeah. we'll get to FAA, Shapo, the Canadians, and, you know, Sinner, Alcaraz, of course, we've talked about all offseason long. If you're buying stock on them, you have to sell stock on someone. And I do mm-hmm. think, like, Berrettini, and he's injured right now or coming off of COVID, but Rublev, like, they're the two most glaring. You got to sell stock on someone. I just, like, how does Barrett, what's the next level for Berrettini? Like, he's just got to mm-hmm. serve so well against the best guys. Mm-hmm. I guess, again, it's it's tough. Like, do the FAA Chapos of the world have the weapons now to go punch for punch with him? That's what we'll see. I'm, I'm selling stock on Berrettini, Rublev, and Cam Nori um, okay. heading into the season. Those are the three guys that I think we saw their best tennis and it's going to be a question of can they maintain the level that they had in 2021? Because I don't know if they're going to hit another mountaintop. Um, I think they've kind of plateaued, like you said. And Berrettini was one that stuck out to me immediately. It's like he's a great tennis player, and I would love to have the gifts that he has on a tennis court to strike the ball that well from with the forehand, with the serve. But there's that that last five to ten percent of his of his um, skill set is not up to par with the, those guys that you mentioned. I think Felix is, a, is an example of a guy that he's going to continue to, to, to rise. And um, he's just, I think he's just a, a better athlete. I think he's, his backhand is much better than Berrettini's overall. Um, the forehand is going to continue to get more solid. He's got the firepower and he's a more fluid mover. I think he's better moving forward. I think he's um, better coming out of the corners out of the, ba- from the baseline. And I think is his, he's more of, I think the mental part for him is what's got to come around to, to kind of reach his, his ceiling. And I think that's going to come. I mean, he's only 21 years old and, just beating Sasha Zverev on a hard court in Australia is a, uh, is a big lift for him. So I do look for him and Shapovalov looked pretty iffy um, in his first match. I know he hadn't played in a while yesterday. He seemed to kind of get some of that confidence back against Struff, but um, yeah, I would like to see, I, I used to think Shapovalov's ceiling was higher than Felix's, but I may be uh, backtracking on that one a little bit here. Welcome to team Felix. I think Felix looks better and better out of the backhand corner. Every match I see him play. And I know Felix took an early loss to Fritz at this ATP Cup, but Fritz, you know, gets another big win last night as well, and uh, over Nori, and just, I mean, look, Taylor Fritz can, it was over Nori, right? I think it was, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah three Fritz is just playing well right now, and you know, he trusts I, his stuff, he really does, he trusts his stuff, and like, he's always struck the bell, ball well, it's just been an athleticism thing, and it's just like, mm-hmm. guess what, he's 24 years old now, 25 years old, he is rounding into the prime of his career, the muscles have had time to develop. He, you know, There's never been a doubt that Taylor Fritz is going to put in the time, case in point, how he came back from knee surgery to have the year ending that he had to be the best tennis player that he can be. And he's starting to reap the benefits of that. If he gets a clean look at the ball, he's going to do damage with that ground stroke. And he's never been a good volleyer, but he's forced himself to become a willing volleyer. That's paid dividends. He's now you know, not quite fine, but almost just a fine volleyer, which is really all you need to be. Um I don't think that's a bad loss for Felix. Like, And to see him last night, again, I think the backhand gets more fluid. He's better at getting out of that corner. I understand why he wants to hit so many inside-in, inside-in, inside-out forehands because that shot's as big as any forehand you're going to find on tour. Just the weight behind it, his willingness is a volleyer. The serve is a cannon. The second serve has gotten better. I agree. I'm Team Felix. Shapo winning a three-set match over Struff is good from a confidence standpoint, and that's really what it comes down to with Denis Shapovalov. But, like, let's be clear. He should be his return of serve. Yeah, it's just his like ret- all over the place. Yeah, he, he sprays. He's just he'll, – he'll hit the middle of the, of the of the string bed, 
and it's still out by 15 feet, 12 feet. I mean, he just is so up and down, and you have to kind of ride that wave with him. I just feel like Felix is much more solid. He's, he's more simplified his strategy. You kind of know the patterns he wants to get into. He executes them at a higher level. Um, Shepovalov, when he's playing his best tennis, sure, he's world-class. He's got all the goods. He's a superb athlete. Uh, the one-handed backhand looks awesome on camera, and it's it's a slow-motion shot that you just everybody wishes they had in their bag. But when it comes down to like winning matches at, against these top guys and having a having a, a style and, a, and the patterns that win matches, Felix just looks like he has a more trustworthy game plan heading into these. And um, the work he puts in off the off the off the court is is starting to pay off, and he's he looks so good physically. It's a little Berrettini-ish, but I know what Plan A for Felix is, and I know how good Plan A will be. And that's why I buy so heavily on him. I don't know what plan A is for Shapa. I think he can do A, B, C, and D. I still just don't know what A should be for him. And that's why I'm Mm -hmm. a little higher on Felix right now as I know exactly what A is going to be. And I think he'll develop B, C, and D throughout the course of his career. One guy you're not selling stock on who has dragged his team alongside of Camille Matrasek, who, by the way, much like Roman Sefillian, they've been the two low-key winners of this event, racking up points for their team and, you know, bringing them into the semifinals for Hercots. You know, Hubie Hercots is not a guy yep. you're selling stock on. And it's interesting because you look for Hubie. He wins Miami last year. Was a really weird season for him after that. Clay courts do not go particularly well. You know, it gets only one win on clay over Fabiano, three sets, first match Monte Carlo. Doesn't get another win throughout the course of the clay court season. Two losses to Stricker and FAA on grass before ripping off a semifinal run. He was then really consistent down the home stretch of the mm-hmm. season. Now, a bad loss at the U.S. Open, but, you know, makes Paris semifinals, makes Indian Wells quarterfinals, qualifies for the year-end championships. You look for him in particular on hard courts last season, 26-16 and 16 overall, holding serve 85% of the time, and just, you know, was a top 15 sort of server I still feel like he can get better, though, because when you look at the numbers yeah. for Hubie Hercots, just to throw this one at you, his break percentage was 19.7% last season. Not only is that below the average of a top 20 player, that's a bottom 10 number amongst top 50 players. Foundationally and fundamentally, Hubie Hercots has a good return of serve. The backhand is condensed and concise, and he's able to you know, absorb and redirect pace with it, hit his spots. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a big backswing on the forehand, a little Tiafoe when that return of serve gets attacked, but he does a really good job of, again, shortening that backswing on the return of serve when he wants to or neutralizing it with the bump forehand slice with pace. He's a good mover. He's got the modern body you want. Like, I still think Hubie gets better. I think he cleans up on some of the losses. And even if the highs aren't as high, you look for him last season. And again, just to point out for him at the Grand Slams, first-round loss to Mikhail Emer in Australia, first-round loss at Roland Garros, semifinals of Wimbledon, but second-round loss U.S. Open. Those are low-hanging fruits for improvement. Second week at Australia should be the expectation, not just the goal, the expectation for Hubie. No, and I think two areas that I think he could – and Dustin Schwartzman, by the way, last night. Yeah, and, that, and Schwartzman is, is a, on this surface, especially, he's super tough. I mean, Diego's – I just love watching Diego, man. Watching yeah. that guy of that size move around and, and bully guys with his back end on the line is is unbelievable. But uh, with Hercots, I think two areas that he could get better on is on the return, like you mentioned, he seems to be going too much side to side. Like, he, he I would like to see him take the more of a, a Medvedev approach where he takes a few steps back. And then on the ball toss, does the split step and kind of tries to cut off more diagonally. And 
on the forehand, just going like he plays that ball in the middle third. I would like to see him try to go for the lines a little bit more. Like he seems very cautious to just kind of unleash the forehand a little bit at times. He seems to be more aggressive striking offensively on the backhand. The forehand, I just want to see him throw more weight at that shot and take more chances because uh, he, he seems pretty content to get in those 20 ball exchanges where he could, I mean, at his size with his, um, like he's just, he's a strong dude. He's, uh, and he's got, he can really push off and move well. I would just like to see him kind of throw more weight and hit closer to the lines and see if he can use his good hands and come forward a little bit more. Cause I do think he's got a lot of talent and um, he just, yeah, I think he's one of those rare cases where he's like not aggressive enough um, in my opinion. Spain versus Poland, Canada versus Russia, your semifinals. Who you got, Nate? Who's winning the ATP Cup? I'll do Spain. We'll take on I, – I don't know how – like, Russia's still here, though. I mean, I think Medvedev is just – great. like, the confidence of that team, Russia, with Medvedev on their side is – everybody just seems to lift their level. But I still, I still think we're going to see um, Spain versus – yeah, I, I don't know. Who, who you got? You got Spain versus Russia? I'm not saying you got to give me your pick first. Ah, give me Team Spain. I mean, Batista, Pablo Corina Busta, those two guys. I mean, give me those two guys against against the rest right now. I'll take Poland. Whoa. I think Whoa. You know, I think this is the Hubie breakout party. I think he carries he and Camille, Poland. carry this team to victory. I think he gets a win in singles. I think Camille plays three sets, and then they take the doubles rubber. You think Canada beats Russia? I mean – Roman's been so good, but Chapo, that's just a must win for Chapo. It's just like a yeah, must yeah. win. And so yeah. I'm going to say he gets that. It comes down to the doubles. I'll go Canada, Poland. I'll take Poland to win the damn thing. They're probably wow. going to lose today to Spain, but I'll take Poland to win the damn thing. Let's wow. have some fun. I'll be a little yep. different here. All right. With that said, again, we got to rapid fire through the rest of the tournaments. I want to switch gears here, talk about what's mm-hmm. happening on the women's side. Let's start in Adelaide. We've reached, you know, round of 32, round of 16 sort of range. You look at the round of 16, Coco, uh, Ashley Barty, three-set win over Coco Goff. She's going to take on 2020 Australian Open champion Sonia Kennan, who really impressive three-set win yesterday over Alia Tomjanovic gets a straight-set win in her first-round match as well. The Kennan resurgence season is coming. Like, I think floor for her with all of the weapons she has, the slice, the drop shots, the lob, the feel, she's never going to fall out of the top 30 when she's healthy. She just wasn't healthy last season. Is Kennan the most underrated player heading into the 2022 Australian Open? Yeah, it just feels like we haven't seen her healthy competing at the top level in uh, quite a while. So, I mean, she's she's got the goods, and it is good to see her healthy. I think she's awesome just to watch, and she plays with just a fun energy. And, yeah, just I mean, her and Osaka just have, have brought some juice back on the women's side. Barty's still balling. And then you have Coco Goff just with, lost, lost a tough one to Barty in three, which is which was a fun one. But that Coco Goff outfit, um, that might be the best outfit of the year, and it's just week one. Yeah, that no. was that. That is a, just a beautiful kit. I mean, yeah. I wish we got. I need. I need. I need New Balance to, to get a hold of our guys so we can we can we can put that in the uh, in the warehouse. But um, yeah. yeah, that is a, spe- a special kit for sure. Yeah. But no, so- Sophia Kennan is. She she had that breakout uh, year where it kind of started in Cincinnati and then she went on to do the win the U.S. Open. But I would lo- in 2019. I would love to see her get back to that form. She's she's got the weapons. She's got the backhand, forehand. She's super solid off just her movement solid. So 
I think to see her back and healthy was is awesome, and I think she'll have a uh, a big season. Yeah, look, I agree. I think Barty looked a step slow, and it's her first match back. I think everyone's looked a step slow, and so for her to sneak that one out against Goff just means she gets to play another one. And again, Ken in that match has track meet written all over it, so that mm-hmm. should be super fun. Shiontech. Boy, did she give Layla Fernandez a beatdown. She looked exceptional. Now she's playing very much in-form, hard-hitting Victoria Azarenka. We know what an in-form Vika did on the hardcore stretch in 2020 at the end of the year. She can find it for two weeks, three weeks, just as much a danger as anyone else. Shelby Rogers, weapons right now, I think, is the name of the game. While people are finding their footing, she's always got the weapons. She also just, again, fit as a fiddle. That's been the biggest difference for Shelby over these past 16 months. Great win for Mm -hmm. her over Sakari. She's now going to take on my, I think, breakout star of the year, Annalena Rabakina. I think Rabakina ends the year top 10. Just weapons galore. Watch her hit a forehand cross court. It's just... That's what it's supposed to look like when she connects with it. And that's going to be a hard-hitting battle. I'll take Rubakina over Rogers there. And then my girl, Kaya Yuvan, who strikes the ball as cleanly as anyone. A lot of Belinda Bencic in Kaya Yuvan. She takes out Sabalenka in what was not a pretty match, but into the quarterfinals. She's got Masaki Doi next. Your final thoughts yep. on Adelaide? Um, Another another shout-out real quick was how about Priscilla Hahn? Yeah. She, she was out a lot last year. A huge win over Kvitova, and then she gave Azarenka a, a really nice match. So I'm happy to see her healthy. That's just another one that – there's a lot of girls that just – if these girls get healthy, the women's tour is so much fun. I mean, just because there is so much parity, um, in my opinion, compared to the men's side the last decade or whatever. But, um, no, I, I think uh, Svantec as well. I mean, to her, for her to beat down Layla Fernandez like that, that is a, a, a big-time performance, and that's got to get her give her a lot of confidence. She seems to just – like she loved like i just think she loves the, like her, watching her work on social media i've just watched her training and stuff i love watching the, like the all the weird drills she does to get her game in form and um final thoughts would be that i'll take i'll take Schwante, i'll take Schwante. i i never thought i would say that um after after kind of last year's up and down season but she looks like she's she's in uh, top form already yeah, no, and other women, again, who have stood out thus far. Naomi Osaka looked really good yesterday. She's, you know, got title town written all over her in Melbourne. Of course, Anaconia continues her comeback, former top junior in the world, healthy, former top 20 player in the world. You know, she's got a very winnable match, set up the winner. Golubic continues her fine form. She's going to take on Halep there. We've got mm-hmm. potentially a brewing rivalry. Ann Lee, Clara Tawson, potential for them in the semifinals in Melbourne, too, I believe. They're both quarterfinalists. You, Claire Towson, is that your favorite? That might be your your favorite. Uh, I think Ann Lee the, might be the highest ranked American come the end of the year as well. That's a spicy take for you to, wow. to brew. There and you so, go. you know, Anissa Mova still alive there. Kasakina continues her strong form. Plenty to be excited about on the WTA side. Any final thoughts, Nate Dog? No. Um, I think we, we, hit, we hit on a lot of it, but uh, this is there's just so much going on, guys. It's like we went from the offseason to zero to 100 real quick. One other thing I wanted to mention was Gael Malfeast, longtime Wilson rep, he changed to a brand to Artango. Have you ever heard of Artango before this? I was going to say, I heard about it as soon as he announced it. I had never, I I talked to a couple of these international guys that I was on on my Bellarmine team, and I was like, you guys ever, I guess it's a a brand that has not had uh, the greatest rep um, beforehand, but there's still, I kind of think that Gael is still using a Wilson racket, new paint job. But he, he he's supporting his uh, hometown company. I think that I thought that was pretty cool. And then he 
I mean, he, for him to come in and he was just talking about how he's got his speed still in 2022. He's just like, if you if you believe in it and you talk yourself into it and you work, he's like, I still got it. It's just that dude is a freak of nature. So for him to have another big season, another top 20 finish, um, that would be pretty spectacular. Because I I just feel like he's just how does he keep doing what he's doing, the way he plays, and I, that's 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 good news for tennis fans if he's if he's back in form again. Hundred percent, and I mean he's a winner. Beats Cerndolo two and one to get things started in Adelaide. Hatching up, Chill is still alive. Your only seeds who have fallen. Francis Tiafo three sets to Kokonakis. Great to see him back healthy. Mikhail Emer, another strong start for him in Australia. He knocks out Sun Wu Kwan to get to the quarterfinals. By the way, shout out Tommy Paul. He's capitalized on the end of last year into the quarterfinals, winning the matches he's supposed to win right now. Of course, over in Melbourne, Max Cressy, 4 6 7 6 7 6 mm-hmm. over Opelka. Botic Vanderson, Schulp, straight set win over Mackey. Yeah. Cressy, yeah. Cressy taking out the two seed, Opelka. Yeah. That was, that's what that Cressy will do to you. Yeah, no, that's what he does to you. Rusevori, by the way, who I'm still very high on. Yeah. Big win for him over Thompson. He's into the quarterfinals. Of course, Rafa. Winner over Barankis. He's back out on court as well. Final thoughts from you, you watch, Nate, on all this action. The final thoughts would be the Rafa match. I got to, yeah. I got to catch a majority of that one. I think Rafa, like this is, I would like to see the stats on this. I think he leads the tour over the last 10 years or five years even on winners hit inside the service box. <laughs> I mean, he used to have more depth, I felt like, out of the, on the forehand wing. He seems to, like, as he's been, as he's aged, to lost the depth but he's still able to work the angles. I mean, like he always was, was, but going from back, the backhand cross court to the um, forehand cross, just like that, that, that little pattern he works against a guy like Brankus who moves really well with that short angle forehand and then blitzing the inside out uh, on the, on the one that comes back. He's, he, he looked pretty good. I mean, I, I, he looked maybe a step slower than what we're used to seeing, but I mean, he's, yeah, I was impressed by what he did against to Barankis. Is that that dude is a is a tough customer? Yeah, no, I you're never gonna feel a backhand cross court more viscerally than when you watch Rafa swing because you can just mm-hmm. tell exactly he is with all of his might trying to hit that ball cross court. And you're right, the, the depth mm-hmm. a little bit lacking, the quick mm-hmm. first step a little bit lacking, but you know tactically he just takes the ball a little bit earlier, he gets to the net a mm-hmm. little bit faster, and yeah, I mean it certainly. That- the draws All black kit too. Yeah, I know. Again, Rafa, Rafa's still freaking Rafa, Nate Dog. Um, yeah. But all right. With all of that said, of course, as always, I want to give you and our friends at Tennis Point a shout out. All the latest and greatest equipment available at tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know you sent us there. Oh, uh, we sent you there. Of course, they'll be back with us next Tuesday and throughout the course of this 2022 year as we enjoy Tennis Point Tuesdays. Talk about what is happening not only with the equipment but happening across the world on the court as well. With all that said, if you missed any of our content covering everything, again, talking all things Djokovic on yesterday's mini break podcast, talking all things college tennis over on the GSP, talking all the coaches on the Cracked Interviews podcast, all that content available on the website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to all of our shows. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at CrackRackets. I'm at AL Gruskin. He's at Nate underscore Walrith. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all this content possible. With all that said, for my fantastic co-host, Nate Walrith, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, and all of our friends at Tennis Point, all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell the people? That's the break. And we will see also, you all next week. Shout out to Kakanakis. 
Love to Last hear. Last name it. I had to do. The Kmart outfit. All right, guys. Appreciate oh, it. Love it. Talk to you next week, Nate. Yes, yes sir.